ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد سنوان حديث ابو هريره عبد الرحمن بن صخر يحدث انه سمع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول ما نهيتكم عنه فاجتنبوه وما امرتكم به فاتوا منه ما استطعتم فانما اهلك الذين من قبلكم كثره مسائلهم واختلافهم على انبيائهم رواه البخاري ومسلم in this narration عبد الرحمن بن صخر الدوسي who is Abu Hurairah, radiyallahu anhu, he says that he heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, that which I have prohibited you from, that which I have prohibited you from, then abstain from it. That which I have prohibited you from, then abstain from it. And that which I have commanded you with, then do as much as you are able. For indeed, what destroyed those who came before you was their excessive questioning and their differing upon their prophets. Their excessive questioning and their differing upon their prophets. Their differing with their prophets and opposing them. Shaykh al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala says, هذا الحديث يرسم طريقا واضحا للمسلم يسير عليه. This hadith, it draws out a straight, clear pathway for a Muslim to tread upon. This hadith explains to you the clear pathway for a Muslim to tread upon. A clear methodology for you to tread upon. وسبب الحديث, and the reason why this hadith was actually revealed, the reason why the Prophet ﷺ mentioned this hadith is because as we find in Sahih Muslim, there is a narration where the Prophet ﷺ was talking about the obligation of hajj. There is a hadith in Sahih Muslim where the Prophet ﷺ was talking about the obligation of hajj. So he said, أيها الناس أو people إن الله كتب عليكم الحج فحجوا that indeed Allah has prescribed upon you حج so make the حج do the حج when the Prophet said that that Allah has prescribed حج upon you so do حج go and make حج فقام رجل من الحاضرين one of the people there who was in the audience, he got up and he said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, Akullaam every year, meaning do we have to go and make the Hajj every year? Is it obligatory upon everyone to go and do it every year? Just like fasting, obligatory once a year, every year. So he said, Is it obligatory every year, O Messenger of Allah? And the Prophet hadn't said that. The Prophet ﷺ had just said that Hajj is obligatory upon you, so go and make Hajj. And that's it. 
He hadn't said it every year, once a year. He just said, Hajj is obligatory, go and make Hajj. So this man got up and he said, is it every year though? Do we have to go and make the Hajj every year? فَسَكَتَ عَنْهُ الرَّسُولُ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. So the Prophet وسلم, stayed quiet. Didn't answer to his question. Stayed quiet. ثُمَّ أَعَادَ وسلم. And the Prophet وسلم, instead repeated what he said first. He said again, أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَتَبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْحَجِّ فَحُجُّوا O oh, people, Allah has prescribed upon you hajj, so go and make hajj. فَقَامَ الرَّجُلُ وَأَعَادَ السُّؤَالَ مَرَّةً ثَالِثًا Then eventually the man got up again. Second time, third time repeated the question again. But every year, O oh Messenger of Allah, do we have to do it every year, the hajj obligatory prescribed upon us every year? Then after that third time, the Prophet said to him, لَوْ قُلْتُ نَعَمْ لَوَجَبَتْ If I say yes, then it will become an obligation. It will end up being an obligation upon you to go and do it every year. وَلَمَسْتَطَعَتُمْ And you wouldn't be able to. It will be too much burden upon the people for every person to have to go every year. You wouldn't be able to do it. So the Prophet ﷺ explained, yeah, if I said that to you and I answered this and we went into this detail, then yes, it would end up being obligatory upon you every year and you wouldn't be able to do it. لِأَنَّ الْحَجَّ يَحْتَاجُ إِلَى سَفَرٍ Because making hajj, it requires you to go out on that journeying. وَيَحْتَاجُ إِلَى تَكَالِيفٍ And it requires money and wealth to be able to travel. وَيَحْتَاجُ إِلَى قُوَّةٍ بَدَنِيَّةٍ and it requires physical strength in your body to be able to do so. It requires many factors for you to be able to go out and do hajj. فَلِذَلِكَ لَمْ يُوجِبْهُ اللَّهُ جَلَّ وَعَلَىٰ إِلَّا مَرَّةً وَاحِدَةً فِي الْعُمَرِ And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not make it obligatory except once in the lifetime. Due to all of these factors, the money, the physical body, health, all of these things that are needed, it's a difficulty, it's hard to have to go and do hajj every year. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only made it obligatory once in the lifetime. Then the Prophet said to them, ثُمَّ قَالَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ ذَرُونِي مَا تَرَكْتُكُمْ He said to them, leave me as long as I leave you. Meaning, don't, Question me on things which I leave open for you. I leave them open to you. Don't question and go into detail and want precision and end up asking things which are beyond what you need to know. Beyond what is required. If I leave you with leeway, I leave you with the affair being expansive, then leave the matter upon that way. يعني لا تسألوا عن أشياء لم تؤمروا بها Meaning, don't ask about things you haven't been commanded to do. Don't ask about things you haven't been commanded to do. مَا أُمِرْتُمْ بِهِ فَفْعَلُوا What you have been commanded to do, do that. وَمَا نُهِيتُمْ عَنْهُ فَاشْتَنِبُوا And what you've been prevented from, then abstain from that. أَمَّا أَن تَسْأَلُوا عَمَّا لَمْ تُؤْمَرُوا بِهِ فَهَذَا لَيْسَ مِسْهَالِحِكُمْ as for you asking about things which you've not been commanded to do, asking about things and going into details of affairs that you've not been commanded with, 
then that is not from your own benefit. It is not from your benefit to go into detail and ask about affairs that you've not been commanded to do anyway. And that is when the Prophet ﷺ then mentioned this hadith to them, مَا أَمَرْتُكُمْ بِهِ فَأْتُوا مِنْهُمَ اسْتَضَعْتُمْ What I have commanded you with, then do as you are able. What you've been commanded with, stick to that and do as you are able. وَهَذَا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ And this is from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. أَنْ يَأْتِيَ الْإِنسَانُ مِنَ الْأَوَامِرِ بِمَا يَسْتَطِيعُ وَالَّذِي لَا يَسْتَطِيعُهُ يَسْقُطُ عَنْهُ The shaykh says, al-shaykh al-fawzan, that this is from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That an individual, he is commanded to do as much of the commandments as he is able. And notice the way that the hadith, it is worded. Notice the way the Prophet ﷺ mentioned this hadith. He said, مَا نَهَيْتُكُمْ عَنْهُ فَاجْتَنِبُوهُ What I have prohibited upon you, then abstain from it. Everything I've prohibited upon you, then abstain from it. وَمَا أَمَرْتُكُمْ بِهِ But as for that which I have commanded you with, فَأْتُوا مِنْهُمَ اسْتَضَعْتُمْ Then do as much as you are able. Notice that the two different things are worded, are phrased, are said in different ways. When it came to the prohibitions, the things which are not allowed, then the Prophet ﷺ said, stay away from all of them, abstain from all of the prohibitions. But when it came to the commandments, then the Prophet ﷺ said, do as much as you are able. So why did the Prophet ﷺ not say in the commandments part, do all of them as well? Why did the Prophet ﷺ say in the prohibitions part, stay away from all of them? But in the commandments part, do as many as you are able. Why not say for both of them, in the prohibitions stay away from all of them, in the commandments do all of them. Why in the commandments was it said, do as many as you are able? Why the difference between the prohibitions and the commandments in that way? You can stop yourself from doing something, or when you're doing something, Prohibitions, then why does it say stay away from all of the prohibitions? Though you stay away from correct. There's a difference between staying away from something, a prohibition, and being commanded to do something, a commandment. With prohibitions, things which you're not allowed to do, what do you have to do to make sure you don't do those things? For example, drinking alcohol. What do you have to do to make sure you don't drink alcohol? Just, just don't go anywhere near it. Do you have to actually physically do anything? 
it's actually harder for you to have to go and drink alcohol. You have to go out there, find it, buy it. That's the difficulty. Maybe it's raining, it's cold outside. You have to go outside, freezing, find a shop which is open to buy it and drink it. That's the difficulty. Not drinking it, is there any difficulty? Stay at home, sit on your sofa, relax, don't go anywhere. And you're not drinking any alcohol. So staying away from things, staying away from things doesn't require any effort. Just don't do it. Someone says to you, you're not allowed to go to the nightclub. So what do you have to do to make sure you don't go to the nightclub? Just stay at home and relax, don't do anything. So basically just don't do anything and you won't be sinning. Just stay at home and relax and you won't be in the nightclub. So for prohibitions, for you to be able to stay away from them, you don't actually have to do anything. Just don't do them. And not doing something doesn't require effort. Just don't do it. Whereas commandments, for you to implement them, it requires effort. It requires effort. You can't fulfill commandments by just not doing anything. You have to pray the five prayers. You can't just sit there on the sofa. You have to get up. You have to wake up early in the morning, late at night. Fajr, Isha, the prayers. Requires effort. Go make the wudu, get ready, go to the masjid, pray. With commandments, it requires effort from you to fulfill them. It requires effort from you to be able to do them. Whereas prohibitions, it doesn't. Prohibitions, you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do that. Just don't do it. Stay at home and relax. You're not allowed to take interest. Alhamdulillah, don't make any effort to go to the bank and ask for interest. Then just stay at home. Don't request it. Don't pick up the phone and ask them for it. Just don't do anything and leave it. When you open your account, open it without interest. And after that, don't do anything. That's it. There's no sin upon you. You've stayed away from the interest. Whatever the prohibitions are for you to be able to stay away from them, all you have to do is just not do them. It doesn't require effort. But with commandments, it requires effort from you to go out there and fulfill them and to perform them. That's why when it came to the prohibitions, the Prophet ﷺ said, stay away from all of them. Because you have no excuse. You are able to stay away from them all. Fornication, stealing, these are acts that are prohibited. You can stay away from them. By doing what? By just not doing them. Just don't do it. Don't go to someone's house and steal something. It would actually require effort from you to go and do it. But not to do it, doesn't require effort. Just stay at home and you're not going anywhere stealing anything. Stay at home, you're not going outside committing any other sin. Or even in your home, as long as you're not committing any sin, you're not doing anything. So the prohibition is easy to practice. You just don't do it. But the command, it requires effort from you to go out there and to implement and practice them. That's why the Prophet said with the prohibitions, you must stay away from all of them. There's no excuse there. But with the commands, do as much as you are able, because they require effort. And maybe sometimes an individual, he may not be able to perform some of the obligations or some of the commandments. It may be out of his ability. It may be out of his ability. Even Hajj, as we mentioned, a person is physically ill, for example. He has some physical issues, some physical disability. He's unable to travel. He's unable to travel. He's unable to go and perform the Hajj. Physically, his body won't allow it. So now this individual, he's not able to perform that commandment. Of course, he's excused. But he's not able to perform it due to his level of ability. Maybe some other individual, he's not able to perform some other 
commandment, whatever the commandment may be, because it's not within his physical means or his ability to be able to practice or implement that commandment. So that individual, if it is a legitimate reason, then he's not sinning for it, but at the same time, he hasn't been able to do it. So not everybody will be able to perform every commandment. Some people may have some legitimate Islamic reason not to be able to do something. So that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, do as much as you are able and stay away from everything that is prohibited. So the Shaykh says, a person does as much as he is able from the commandments. And يَأْتِيَ الْإِنسَانُ مِنَ الْأَوَامِرِ بِمَا يَسْتَطِيعَ He does as much as he is able from the commandments. وَالَّذِي لَا يَسْتَطِيعُهُ يَسْخُطُ عَنْهُ And if a person genuinely just can't do something, it's out of his physical ability, out of his uh, monetary ability, he's not able to do it, then that thing is dropped from him. Person is physically unable to go to hajj, then it's not a sin upon him. A person doesn't have any money, he can't afford to go ever during his whole lifetime. That's it then, it's dropped upon him, there's no sin upon him in that way. So you do what you are able to do, and that is because Allah said, فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ مَا اسْتَضَعْتُمْ Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the best of your ability. And similarly Allah said, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها Allah does not burden a person beyond his ability. Beyond his ability and what he is able to do. فَمَا اسْتَطَاعَهُ الْإِنسَانُ مِنَ الْوَاجِبَاتِ الدِّينِيَّةِ فَإِنَّهُ يَفْعَلُهُ So whatever a person is able to do from the obligations of the religion, then you do them. Whatever you are able to do, then you do them. This isn't an excuse to say that somebody misses the prayer and they say, I wasn't able. And you ask him why? He says, because I was a bit tired. That doesn't count as you not having ability. You had the ability, but you couldn't be bothered. That doesn't count in this. This is talking about when an individual genuinely has some excuse Islamically, he's unable to do something. A person doesn't have any money, he can't go to Hajj. A person is physically disabled, he's not able to travel to go to Hajj. Real reasons. Not somebody comes along and says, I was lazy, I was tired, I couldn't pray, I missed one. That isn't the reason, and that doesn't come into this, do as much as you are able. There you were able, but you didn't do it yourself. That's different. So here now the Shaykh says, you do whatever you are able to do. وَمَا لَمْ يَسْتَطِعْ And whatever you genuinely are not able to do, genuinely, فَإِنَّهُ يَسْخُطُ عَنْهُ حَتَّى يَزُولَ عُذْرُهُ Then that particular act of worship is dropped from you until you are able. So for example, a person is ill. A person is ill during Ramadan. A week in Ramadan, for a few days he gets ill. So that person then, he is allowed to not fast those days. Maybe his illness was quite severe. He's allowed to miss those days. He's allowed. That's an example now. Of, of, of the, of, to think of this way. That here he is trying to perform as much of the commandments as possible. But there, he was unable for a few days. Genuinely, because of a severe illness, he was unable to fulfill the commandment of fasting in Ramadan for a few days. So the shaykh says, that's okay. It's dropped from him then. He's allowed to miss those days, for example, those three or four or five days in Ramadan, because of that genuine reason. But then when the excuse disappears, when the excuse goes, 
When will that go? When he becomes better again. When he becomes better again and he gets his health back and that excuse has gone, now he has to go back and fulfill that commandment. Make up those days from Ramadan for example. So now an individual who genuinely has a reason, then he's allowed to drop that or it is dropped from him until the reason goes. Like the Hajj one, somebody who is poor, they don't have the money to be able to go. So it's dropped from them having to go. When they do achieve the money, the ability, then it's an obligation. Now they do have to go again. So it depends upon the reason of a person. When there is a genuine Islamic reason he can't do something, then that act is dropped from him. And when that reason disappears, he's no longer ill, he's no longer poor, etc. Now he has the ability, then it comes back upon him, he must fulfill the commandment now. وَهَذَا مِنْ يُسْرِ هَذِهِ الشَّرِيعَةِ And this is from the ease and facilitation that the sharia gives a person. This is from the ease that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed upon his servants and slaves. وَرَفْعِهَا لِلْحَرَجِ عَنِ النَّاسِ And to remove any difficulty or hardship or burden from the people. That when there is genuine reason, it is allowed. It is allowed to miss on that particular affair. There are many examples of that. A person is unable to stand. In the obligatory prayers, it's a must. You must stand and pray in the obligatory prayers. An individual, for a few days, he injures himself and he genuinely can't stand up. He's unable to bear weight upon his legs. So, he's allowed to sit and pray. If he can't even sit and pray, his injury is so bad he can't even sit and pray. So he can lie down on his bed and pray. He's so bad that he can't even on his bed make the movements of his hands and things. He can't do anything. He's paralyzed. Then he can pray. How? With his eyes. With the movement of his eyes. All of this from the ease of the sharia. From the ease and the facilitation the sharia gives to the people so that there isn't burden and difficulty upon an individual. If he's genuinely unable to do something, then you find the facilitation in the sharia to aid that individual. So then the Prophet ﷺ said, وَمَا نَهَيْتُكُمْ عَنْهُ فَاجْتَنِبُوهُ That which I have prohibited you from, then stay away from it, abstain from it. أَمَّا الْمَنْهِيُّ عَنْهُ فَإِنَّهُ يُجْتَنَبُ كُلُّهُ Shaykh says now, Shaykh Al-Fawzan, the things which are prohibited, then you must stay away from all of them. لِأَنَّ التَّرْكَ أَسْهَلُ مِنَ الْفِعْلِ because leaving something is easier than doing something. Having to do something requires effort. Leaving something and not doing it doesn't require any effort. Just don't do it. So the Shaykh says, leaving something is easier than having to do something. So when it comes to having to do something, the commandments, then this issue of your ability comes into it. Because it requires ability to do those actions. أَمَّا التَّرْكِ فَهَذَا لَا أَحَدَ يَعْجَزُ عَنْهُ As for leaving something, then nobody can say, I didn't have the ability to leave it. It doesn't require ability to leave it. You just don't do anything. So the shaykh says, you can't make the excuse. Nobody can say, I was unable, I didn't have the ability to leave something. I didn't have the ability to not go to the nightclub. 
What do you mean you didn't have the ability to not go? You actually required ability to have to go. Get up and walk and get ready. That requires ability. Not going doesn't require any ability. You just sit back and you don't go. So the Shaykh said, not doing something, it doesn't require that ability. And nobody can say, I was unable, I didn't have the ability to leave it. What about smoking? Is smoking the same thing? It cannot be said. How can, you, how can an individual say, I am not able? It's not, I am not able. Again, they are able. You just don't pick up the cigarette. You leave it sitting there, you throw it in the bean, don't pick it up and you're able. That isn't an excuse. And it's, if a person says this is due to something physical and the, the way it is in the body, none of it still really applies. Why? Because real life examples. How many people, they used to be addicted to this type of thing? More than that even. Smoking, more than that. Drugs and alcohol. Brothers that we know who became Muslims, used to drink alcohol before. Used to be engaged in all these activities prior to their Islam. And they became Muslim and they left all of that. So it's possible. The one who says it's not possible, that's from his weakness, not because of ability. That's his own weakness, not ability. Ability doesn't require it. Throw all the cigarettes out of your home, sit down at home, you haven't got any to smoke. That's it. It doesn't require ability. You can't say I didn't have the ability. So with leaving something, it doesn't require ability. And that's why a person must fulfill those commandments. فَاجْتَنِبُوهُ كُلُّ وَاحِدٍ يَسْتَضِيعُنْ يَتْرُكَ الْمَنْهِي The Shaykh says, everybody is able to leave the prohibitions. Allahumma illa fi halati al-durura. The only exception the Shaykh makes here now, where you may be allowed to do something which is a prohibition, there are certain instances where you may be allowed to do something which is a prohibition. And that is... When a person is in a state of necessity. An example of being in a state of necessity. Slaughtering an animal. It is permissible to eat an animal if it has been slaughtered in the Islamic manner. As per the rules and regulations that have been mentioned regarding slaughtering. That three of the arteries or veins must be cut, etc. The name of Allah, the Muslim, all of those conditions that are mentioned. You must slaughter the animal for it to be halal to eat. If you're walking in the forest in the wood and you find a dead rabbit there, is it permissible to pick it up and cook it and eat it? Haram. It's a meta, a corpse. Not permissible. But if you're walking around in the forest for three weeks or four weeks or five weeks or however long it is and you've not eaten anything and you're lost in the middle of the Amazon or wherever it is, you're about to die. You're on your last day. All of your energy has gone, you're dehydrated, you're about to die. And you find a dead rabbit just suddenly in the pathway. Are you allowed to eat it now or not? Yes. Now you're allowed. Because now it's a state of necessity. Either you die or you eat this which would typically normally be haram. You haven't slaughtered it. Normally it would be haram. But in that instance of necessity, then it's permissible. And nobody can really use that example to cigarettes. You're not going to suddenly fall unconscious and die if you don't have a cigarette. So these types of examples are not correct for the people to use. Make dua. The ones who are struggling with these affairs, make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Use the last third of the night when Allah descends to the lowest heaven and says, Man yas'aluni fa'a'tihi Who is asking me and I will give it to them? Man yas'aluni fa'a'gfira lah 
Who is seeking my forgiveness, I'll forgive them. Who is seeking repentance, I'll repent upon them. Use these opportunities, make dua to Allah. Strengthen yourself with prayer, with the five times prayers, with the supplications of the morning and the evening. And a person, inshaAllah ta'ala, will be able to leave these affairs. ثُمَّ إِنَّهُ حَذَّرَ مِنْ كَثْرَةِ الْأَسْئِلَةِ Then the Prophet ﷺ also mentioned at the end of the hadith, a warning from excessive questioning. Too many questions. لَا يَحْتَاجُ إِلَيْهَا فِي أُمُورِ الدِّينِ Questions that you don't really need to know about for your religion. And sometimes people, they get involved in this. They'll ask all types of questions, and if you really stop for a minute and you think about the question you want to ask, you realize the reality is there isn't actually much benefit behind it, even if I know the answer. What is it going to benefit you in your religion if you really stop and think about your question? Sometimes you'll realize actually this question, even if I get the answer, it doesn't really help me in my religion. So the Prophet ﷺ cautioned us from that. Don't get involved in asking anything that pops into your head. And then afterwards, even once you've got the answer, you realize actually there wasn't any benefit to it. So here the shaykh says, asking excessively too much questions that don't really have any bearing. They're not really needed. You don't need them for your religion. And the Prophet ﷺ gave an example from the previous nations, the people who came before us. فَإِنَّهُ إِذَا كَثُرَتَ الْأَسْئِلَةِ فَإِنَّهُ حِينَ إِذٍ يَحْسُلُ الْحَرَجُ وَالضِّيقُ عَلَى النَّاسِ Because if you start to ask too many questions, and you start to indulge or get involved at a level which is beyond what's required, then you're going to start bringing problems upon yourself. You're going to start causing problems for yourself. Asking so many questions and getting involved in affairs where you don't need to ask. And they're not really related to or give you benefit in your religion. And you keep asking here and there and there and getting involved in all types of affairs. And in the end you realize it was a waste of time for you. And it just busied your mind with issues that you didn't need to be busying yourself with. So a person has to be careful. And the scholars they used to mention that. When you ask a question, think about it. Is your question really relevant? to the religion and will it bring you some benefit or is it just a question for the sake of the question even once you've got the answer you forget the answer in two minutes and it never benefits you so think about the questions too when you ask uh, and the shaykh says a person who gets involved in doing that asking questions left right about all types of affairs even those not related to the religion or not benefiting him in the religion then that type of person may well end up neglecting worship. He may actually end up being negligent of worship. He ends up leaving obedience and worship and gets involved in all of these affairs where he doesn't need to get involved in with all of this questioning. In the Quran, Allah mentioned, Don't ask about things that if they became clear to you, it would be harmful to you. So don't get involved in affairs that you don't require to become involved in and they don't benefit you in your religion. So being excessive in questioning 
or trying to go so deep into questioning that it's not even relevant. If you behave in this in this way, it can end up with that person becoming busy and his mind becoming wandering away to the extent he actually starts to become negligent in some aspects of his worship or that he becomes so excessive that he is drowned in that excessiveness of his. Anytime you tell him a commandment, he wants to ask a million questions before he can proceed. Anytime you tell him something else, he wants to ask another million questions before he can do anything. You go to that level of excessiveness and you end up leaving worship, the shaykh says. End up becoming negligent of the affairs that are really important. فَالتَّكَلُّهُ فِي الْأَسْئِلَ مَدْعَاتٌ إِلَى تَرْكِ وَتَنَطْعُ مَا أُمِرْتَ بِهِ فَأْتِ مِنْهُ مَا تَسْتَطِعُ The shaykh says, what you've been commanded with, the rules, the regulations, the halal, what you've been commanded with, then do it. What you are able, do it. وَمَا نُهِيتَ عَنْهُ فَاجْتَنِبْهُ And what you've been prohibited from, then stay away from it. The commandments, they are clear, follow them. The prohibitions, stay away from them. وَمَا عَلَيْكَ إِلَّا لِتِبَاعُ فَقَطْ and there's nothing else upon you other than to follow those guidelines. What comes to you, and it tells you this is an obligation, this is what you have to do, do it. Authentic from the Qur'an and the Sunnah, then do it. And what comes to you from the Qur'an and the Sunnah, that this is haram and don't do it, stay away from it, and that's it. You don't need to go into a thousand questions here, a thousand questions there, things that are not even relevant. Of course, of course, when the questions are relevant, when they are relevant and they do bring about benefit, then you ask. It is not good to go to the other extreme and all of a sudden say, well in that case I'm just not going to ask anything. And start to think that any question you have is irrelevant. Don't go to that extreme either. Have the balanced way. Ahlul Sunnah are balanced in all of their affairs. Even in this. So if you have the question, don't go to the extreme that you want to ask a thousand questions on that question. And don't go to the extreme and say, well I'm not going to ask anything then. Because if you don't ask anything then, you're not going to learn your religion. And that is not praiseworthy. Aisha radiallahu anha, she used to say, Ni'ma al ansar. How good are the women of the Ansar that their shyness didn't used to prevent them from asking questions. They used to ask questions about their religion. The companions used to ask questions about their religion. But you balance the affair and you use some wisdom behind it. Is the question relevant and will it bring you benefit in your religion? Or is it something that really isn't relevant to the religion whatsoever? So the shaykh says, don't bring about all types of new imaginary things from yourself. Or bring about assumptions. This is a problem. When people say, what if this happens and that happens and this happens, then what do you do? And what if... That happens and this happens. And these what ifs are things which are hardly ever going to even happen. So why bother asking things like what if, what if this happens and what if that happens. And those are situations you're never even going to find yourself in. So why ask questions that are not really relevant to you? Ask the questions relevant and suitable not to make assumptions and suggestions. What if this and what if that? And those what ifs are things that are hardly ever going to occur. So seek the knowledge for that which is beneficial. And then the one who becomes more uh, developed in that knowledge, then you study these issues in the books of fiqh. And the books of fiqh, they mention this scenario, this issue, what if that happens, what if that happens. As you develop and the knowledge increases, then you learn those affairs too. But for a person, for a person who isn't, uh, hasn't studied to that level, or they haven't developed to that level, 
for you to sit there and make assumptions. What if that happens? And what if this happens? What do you do? And the reality is, even before the what if, the actual issue, maybe that person hasn't understood it. So you need to be careful about seeking knowledge in stages and in steps. هَذَا مِنَ التَّقْدِيمِ بَيْنَ يَدِيِ اللَّهِ This is actually, the Shaykh says, if you start to make too many of these assumptions, you say, okay, that's the ruling, but what if this and what if that? What about this and what about that? You start going to levels of questioning that isn't suitable or relevant to the religion, then really it's bad manners towards the revelation and the Qur'an and the Sunnah as it's come for you to go into this excessive questioning that isn't required. And that is why Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تُقَدِّمُوا بَيْنَ يَدِهِ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Do not put yourselves forward uh, in front of Allah and His Messenger. Don't put yourselves forward in this way. Rather, what's there, the commandments fulfill them. What's there from the prohibition, stay away from them. The Shaykh says, لا تقل, Don't say, لماذا لم يجيب الله كذا? Why did Allah not make such or such obligatory? How come this is obligatory, but that isn't made obligatory? وَلَمْ يُحَرِّمِ اللَّهُ كَذَا And how come this is haram, but Allah didn't make such and such haram? Don't ask questions of this nature. Why is this obligatory and why is that not? Or why is that haram, but this isn't? Don't ask questions of this nature. The Qur'an, the Sharia, the Sunnah, it has come with the revelation from Allah. These are the rulings from Allah, and Allah does everything with wisdom. It is not upon a person to sit there now and say, well, why is that halal when this is haram? Isn't this worse? Don't give those kinds of examples and use your time in that type of affair. The Qur'an and the Sunnah, it is revelation from Allah. The rulings and the commandments, we obey them and we cling on to them. Even if you can't understand some of them, there could be a case where there is a certain ruling that something is halal or something is haram. Maybe you can't work out, how come, why is this halal? Surely that should be haram. Or how come, why is this haram? Surely this, that, the other should be halal. Don't sit there, even if you can't work it out, it's not that point. If it says it's halal, it's in the sunnah, it's in the Qur'an, it's halal. Even if you can't work it out, that's not a condition. And even if it says it's haram and you can't work out why it's haram, you can't get it around your head. If it's there and it's authentic, you accept it as haram. And inshallah ta'ala, once your knowledge increases, then it will become clearer to you. So the shaykh says, don't ask these types of questions. Why is this halal? Why is this haram? Why did Allah do it this way? Why not that way? That type of thing is not permissible and it is not correct. لا تسأل مثل هذا السؤال. The shaykh says, don't ask these types of questions. So that is what's mentioned in this hadith. And if we link that back to what we mentioned before regarding the principles of worship. We've mentioned before the principles of worship. And the principles of worship, of ibadah, we said that you need two pillars for every act of worship to be correct. What are those two pillars? One is ikhlas, sincerity to Allah. That you do your acts of worship sincerely for the sake of Allah. The second pillar for your worship to be accepted, because it's not enough just that you do it for the sake of Allah. You also need to have... According to the sunnah. You must be following the sunnah in what you do with sincerity. This hadith is an example of that. This hadith is a proof that in your actions you must be following the sunnah. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, whatever I've commanded you, then do it. And whatever I've prohibited you, stay away from it. Do it what you are able and stay away from it all. The prohibitions. So here this hadith is an evidence 
that all of your actions must be in accordance to the sunnah. Because if you do something that the Prophet hasn't prohibited, you're going against the sunnah. Or if you do something, or the opposite, you do something which was prohibited, or you, do, or you don't do something which was commanded, then you're going against the sunnah. So this is a, an evidence that the worship must be upon the sunnah also. And we've already done the evidence from these ahadith that the worship must be upon sincerity. And what was the evidence for that? We've done a hadith already that proves the other point, that it must be upon sincerity. The first hadith we did, right at the beginning, Indeed, all of your actions are but by your intentions. If you do them for the sake of the people to show off, then that's what you'll get. That's it. No other reward. And if you do it for the sake of Allah, then you get the reward. So you will be rewarded in accordance to your intentions. So this indicates the two pillars for all of the worship to be accepted. So we'll conclude upon that. That's the end of the hadith. Uh, next time, inshallah, next week, we'll begin with the next hadith, which is regarding how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only accepts the goodness from the people. And that Allah commanded the messengers with the same as what He commanded us with. And about making dua, etc. So inshallah, we'll cover that hadith next time. And we should remind everyone again, you should try to get these copies. This book, it's available in English. The 40 hadith, huh? You get the books translated. These 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi. You should try to get a copy. So when you come to the class now, then you have the hadith in front of you as well. So when we are reading, then you follow it in your paper as well, in your book as well. And that way you'll understand it better. And afterwards when you go home, you have your book, you can revise and look at it again. So this is the way to seek knowledge and it stays in your minds. So you should try and get a copy. Try and get a copy so you can prepare from it and you can revise from it and you can follow in class with it. That will be more beneficial. So we'll conclude upon that. If there's any questions, we'll try and take them. Otherwise, we'll leave it there.